Jason, good afternoon. Hello, Kevin. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. So we're recording and then posting on demand today and also on the Background Check Radio, um, our 2024 predictions, anything and everything uh, as it pertains to the employment screening industry. Joined as always by my partner, Jason Morris. We're going to run through our predictions and get you out of here in about 30, 35 minutes. I'm pretty happy um, to be doing this today. Jason, of course, joining us from sunny Colorado. You're going to be out there for the next few months, right? I am. I'm in. I'm in the iCubed West office today. <laughs> I, uh, I I rented some uh, shared office space here for the next few months that I'm popping in and out of when I can, and absolutely loving this whole little vibe and and routine I got going now. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. I iCubed West. Uh, uh, well, I <laughs> iCubed East will be will be. Uh, I'll hold down the fort here while you're there. You yeah, know, well, yesterday I did something that I, you know, I just thought was so awesome. I uh, I skied all morning uh, here at Winter Park, and I had a conference call at one o'clock uh, in the afternoon. I jumped off the hill, went into the cafe, you know, put my hat on, and uh, put my iPhone in front of me, and I did a, a I did a a Zoom just from a cafe, like a ski cafe at the bottom of the hill. Got done. Jump back on, ski two more hours. It was awesome. That's that's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. I, I, there is a twinge of jealousy. Jason's daughters are uh, one is out of college, one is in college, both in the Boulder, Denver area. I have two that are uh, that are still school age. So I have two bus stops in the morning, two bus stops in the afternoon. So I'll be uh, uh, I'll be here in Cleveland for the foreseeable future, but I will. Uh, <laughs> live vicariously through you. Uh, you want to do about 60 seconds on iCubed, who we are, and how yeah. we have the space before we dive in? I hope everybody knows who we are, but if you don't, um, you know, iCubed is is uh, a vehicle that Kevin and I created to uh, do a lot of the consulting and advisory work that we've been doing for over the last several years. Um, and I got to tell you, we're busy. Uh, we're very busy. Uh, we got a couple of companies out there looking to add to their sales and account management teams that we've been We've been working with over the last month. Um, we do quite a bit of expert witness work uh, on the plaintiff and defense side, um, and M and A advisory. Uh, we've got uh, a couple of deals that we're working on today, and uh, advising on some of the bigger deals that are floating around there in the industry right now. So, uh, really, you know, really enjoying the work that we continue to do, and, and, and the thought leadership that we're bringing to the industry. And so far, the feedback's been fantastic. I think that's great. Can't say it any better than ourselves, uh, myself. All right, let's hop in. Uh, we have a lot to go over today. We're going to do a quick review of the economic indicators where we were a year ago, where we were as as the year ended. We talked about this in our 2023 recap, but it's worth spending two or three minutes on as a refresher because that really sets the stage for what we think will happen in the next 12 months. We don't just turn the microphone on and willy-nilly throw a couple ideas out there. Everything is grounded in either um, economic activity, logic, things we hear in the industry, publicly available resources. So um, there's a lot of research and analysis that goes behind uh, what, what we generally talk about, certainly what we're presenting today. Um, so we have our predictions. We're going to go over M&A. Um, ironically, is m the new safe choice in our space? Jason and I are excited to talk about AI for a few minutes. Um, the proverbial products, is this the year? Fill in the blank. We'll run through uh, a half a dozen products in the space. We have some thoughts on Equifax and um, the work number specifically. 
in 2024. And then we'll leave you with a couple extra predictions. We didn't have just five. We threw a few in. Um, what are you excited to talk about today, Jason? I'm excited to talk about all of it. I think there's a lot going on in the industry. I, you know, I think most importantly, the economy seems to be settling a bit. Um, you know, everybody, there's lots of talkers of, of recession and, you know, that still could happen. But I think a lot of the layoffs that we saw last year have been have been flattening out and we're starting to see some hiring again, uh, which means background screening companies get busier and busier. So I'm excited about that. Um, but I think the first and second quarter of this year will be really telling as far as what that's going to look like for the rest of the year. Yeah, well, well said. And I think that's a great segue into kind of where we are on a macroeconomic level. Um, and while the last few months, some really, really strong indicators have ticked down a little bit, um, but they are still kind of above average historically. And I think to Jason's point really portends to a strong 2024. Uh, GDP remains high. Um, job openings, you, you know, for all the thought about quiet quitting, turning into, um, you know, the, the the great stay or whatever buzzword we, we want to use. Um, quits are still historically high. Job openings are still historically high. And I think especially in a post-COVID world, people just aren't willing to suffer, for lack of a better word, through a, through a, a job, a commute, something they don't want. They're a lot more open to to new opportunities. Um, Jason, what do you what kind of jumps out to you as as we look through this? So not as much as what I see here, but I just I really feel that we're at an inflection point with an entire generation of workers that had it really easy for the last several years. Um, okay. A lot of job hopping going on. I wouldn't just call it millennials, but you know, but but a lot in the millennial uh, category. A lot of job hopping going on. A lot of I want to do do this the way I want to do it. Um, I want to work four days a week. I want to work four hours a day. You know, whatever those things are. I want to work from home. Um, a lot of those things that have been easy peasy for the last couple of years or several years, uh, things are coming to a head because companies are getting rid of remote work or they're starting to. Um, and it's back to a point where, you know, the way I was raised and you were raised, that you got to earn your job every single day. And I think a lot of people uh, have, have, uh, have not really experienced that in their careers yet, the younger work, part of the workforce. And I think that's going to come to a head real, real soon here. So that that's kind of the the opposite end of the coin, right? That that I just described, and it's it's interesting because, you know, you kind of laid out a competing thought, um, but both things can kind of be true at the same time, for right? sure, for sure. You, you, you know, you you still have people that are like, nah, I don't want to do this, I'm out, and that's new economic activity. There's a new background checks at the company they're going to, the company they left, replacement hire, et cetera. You know, and, and that that on a macro level can be true. On a micro level, like you just said, that might not be the best thing for that person. Um, I don't know if it matters for for us. Um, and, and it's just it, you know, it like I agree with you. <laughs> I just don't know if it matters. It, it it doesn't really matter. I think it's more of a macro thing. Um, I think that you know, company that's something for companies to figure out on their own and how they approach that. Um, the open positions are the open positions, but I think that you're yeah. going to have a lot more people that are not used to working hard every single day and putting in, you know, sometimes you got to put in 12, 15 hour days. It happens um, that are never, they never, they never experienced that in their, in their careers. Um, and I think companies are going to be working, looking for 
people that work harder now uh, and, and are willing to put in the hours because, you know, where they've made cutbacks, um, you know, you, you need less, you, they want less people for more work and uh, they're going to find those people. Well, that that certainly is is a topic that we'll talk about in a few minutes when we start thinking about AI. We, th- we think about technology. You and I um, have some pretty passionate thoughts about talent in the space. Do you need people or do you need talent? And and I think those are two really different things. Yep. So your ideas on, hey, do I need do I need five of this or just three rock stars? That that's a really really valid um, oppor- opportunity there. Um, for, for companies to innovate. I'm going to verbally run through some of this for our podcast listeners, Jason, on where we think we're going to be. Um, GDP is at the beginning of, the, of, of 23 was around 2%. It ended at 5% in quarter four. And we think, you know, we, we are not um, economists by any stretch, but 3% seems like a, a good reasonable number that's representative of an economy um, that's kind of in the position that we are right now. Job openings, we see dip into kind of just under 9 million from a high of 10 and a half um, a year and change ago. New hires right around 6 million, which has been pretty consistent with where it was most of 23. Uh, Quits, to Jason's point, dropping off a little bit, about 15% or so, but still strong historically. Unemployment below 4%, which is a great number. Uh, The participation rate, which a lot of economists look to as the strength, overall strength of the economy ticking up to about 62 and full-time employment remaining at an all-time high. Part of that is population, but I think uh, the other part of it is just reflective of, of where we're at right now. You know, another economic indicator I think that's really, really important is interest rates. Um, yeah. You know, they, they continue to stay high, uh, but we do see signs of that coming down next year. And it's, you know, I, I really do consider myself a student of, of finance. I'm learning more and more about finance, you know, every single day I study it a lot and, you know, it's amazing how many different things in the world that uh, interest rates affect. Um, It's got a huge effect on everything that that happens in a business Um, all the way from hiring, all the way through M and a. So I think that's a good indicator to look at as well and and see where, when they drop, uh, how that affects our, our absolutely. Absolutely. I think the the other indicator, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a glass half empty view at this, but like, we're on the verge of a couple wars, um, you know, with what's going on in Iran and the Middle East and Israel, like something could happen. And historically, um, unfortunately, wars are, are very good for the economy. Um, so, you know, that could have a, a seismic shift in in how we look at the entire landscape. I'm, I am far from even a novice on knowing what the effect's going to be. Um, but there's going to be an effect. All right. Well, well said, well said. All right. Um, okay. Five predictions. And, uh, you know, generally we don't read verbatim, but we will have a few hundred podcast listeners downloading this after, uh, that, that, you know, choose to listen that way instead of through the live link. So, um, we'll, we'll make sure that we verbalize those for you guys, uh, listening that way. Um, identity. Uh, Jason, you and I have, have some pretty strong opinions on this identity right now. It's a weapon. Big companies are offering it. In the future, I think it's going to become a standard. What do you think? I, again, I, I agree with you a thousand percent. I think it's, you know, I've used this example in the past. It, it's it's the DocuSign of, of background screening. Um, in the example I like to give is, you know, I deal with different attorneys 
all over the country. And once DocuSign came out, even a year later, when they're like, I'm going to fax this to you, or I'm not sorry, I'm going I'm to email this to you so you can sign it, scan it, and send it back. I'm like, uh-uh. I'm not printing something, signing it, figuring all that out, sending it back when you have DocuSign available. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's the same thing with identity. Unfortunately, it's a low volume, it's a low margin, if, or even in some cases, not even a chargeable service. Um, but if you're a CRA and you're looking to take business from the top five companies or the biggest five companies out there that have identity services, your customer is going to have the expectation that you have those, those, those tools available for them. Um, so if it's not something that you as a CRA offer today, I think it's something you need to take a really strong look at because it is the future of how background screens are kicked off. And, and again, this isn't, you know, this isn't, you know, wide-eyed looking at this. This is the, the big companies are doing it. And they're, they're, every background check starts with this type of service. Yeah, I've, I've been pretty passionate about where identity will will sit in our space for probably nine to 12 months. And again, competing thoughts existing at the same time, right? It's a weapon now because a few larger companies have it. Not everybody else does. When does it become a standard? It becomes a standard for exactly the reason Jason just said. You know, you've heard us say before that roughly two-thirds of the dollars, two-thirds of the background checks in our industry are done by six or seven companies. Then 300 plus get the remaining third. Well, this product becomes a standard <laughs> and, and you still have 300 that can't offer it. I, I don't know how to square that circle. Um yeah, I look at because it's got to be it's going to be a standard, and do, do, do the revenue do the dollars just flow upward to right. those six it, or seven companies because you have hundreds that can't do it? You've got to remember how far behind Employee Screen IQ was with candidate self service portals. I mean, we're probably a year and a half, two years behind mm -hmm. our competitors offering something like that, and we lost deals because we didn't have it available. Yes. Um, it's going to be the same thing for mid-sized CRAs and small CRAs that don't have a service like this. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Next one, virtually proctored drug testing taking off. Uh, oral fluid um, has gained some regulatory approval. And just the concept, Jason, you know, we're not going to have an extended conversation on regulations and proctoring and your, you know, just the idea of, hey, why do I have to in Manhattan hop on a subway, change at Grand Central, get on another subway, fight traffic? Forty minutes later, I'm in a patient service center when I can just do something like this and open up a box and have a proctor and the chain. And it's just when we think of innovation in our space, when we think of new products, when we think of deepening these relationships with our clients, uh, as along with the historical challenges of trying to run a drug testing program as a CRA, I just I just see a lot of really positive opportunity for this product at this time. I do too. I mean, it was born out of COVID. It's one of those services and one of those things that came out of the COVID pandemic um, that makes a uh, historically very um, full of, I don't know what the word is, full of friction process. Yes, yes. Um, frictionless. And, you know, I, the best examples uh, that I can remember uh, the first time I did this, um, I remember when COVID first hit, you know, and, and then in 2021, I was going on a ski trip with a bunch of uh, friends, like 10 of us. And we were in Wyoming and in, in order to travel to Wyoming, you had to do a COVID test and the, they partnered with Vault. And I got to the house and I, they, had, they had UPSed me a kit. I had to open the kit in front of them 
yes. uh, on the on, on the video. And, you know, it was all step-by-step process that was all video proctored and, and pretty, pretty damn efficient, to be honest with you. Um, the, the second one is my daughter took the LSATs a couple months ago and she, and, you know, the LSATs were always, you know, done in person, but during COVID they were able to do, start doing it virtually. Her entire, entire LSAT was proctored, uh, cool video proctored. She had to like take her computer and move it around the room. She couldn't wear jewelry occasionally they tell her to do it around the room again. Um, so all these steps that she took to do a video proctored LSAT is something that can easily replace having to go to patient service centers and everything else for drug testing. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. All right next, uh, conflicts within the vendor partner relationships. They're going to start going public. And, you know, the way I'll tee this up, Jason, really interested in your thoughts. Um, we are, by, by most accounts, a very collegial industry. Um, you walk into a PBSA show and you see people you've known for 20 years. Not all the industry goes to PBSA shows, but you understand, you know, what what I'm saying here. Um, but we're competitors and we live in a capitalistic society. And sometimes that collegial nature, you know, there's a little friction there. And sometimes companies are expanding business lines. They're becoming vertically integrated and you know, this isn't all about just the work number and Equifax and, and criminal data. You know, it's just about the broader concept that we're going to start colliding with each other a little more, I think. And and some of that is going to become apparent to the market as a whole. What do you think? It's going to happen. I mean, you're going to start seeing uh, some of the bigger companies with the bigger war chest uh, starting to buy into the supply chain. Um, I, I would seen not some be already. Yep. We've seen some of it already. I would not be surprised to see more of that. Um, I think that we're, I, I, you know, I've heard whispers of a lot of the bigger companies starting to try to be vendor, um, to, to, to be free of vendors, actually, and, and bring everything in-house. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm seeing more and more of that. I think that with, with Aquifax now selling direct-to-consumer uh, with a clear report and companies like Checker that, that, that have, uh, that own you know, Sarah Data um, and, and starting to sell to the retail market and to other background screeners. Um, I think this concept has an opportunity right now to grow. It's just how comfortable uh, us as or you guys as CRAs and everything else are going to be comfortable making those purchases from competitors. Uh, what, yeah, do, what do you think about that? Yeah, and right. I think, you know, it, it, there, there's two sides to it, right? There are companies that are, um, to your point about extending and, and deepening um, the the supply chain, you know, buying a criminal records provider, a wholesaler, and then that company sells to other CRAs. Are we funding our competitors? Aren't we funding, et cetera? And do I want to do business with you because you're a competitor, you know, 1500 miles away in the CRA space? Um, you know, I think there will continue to be more of that and CRAs will make choices. The other side is like you said, I ain't doing anything with outside vendors. I'm just going to pull it all inside. And that business then disappears um, from from that vendor, it, it, it's it's a really interesting time. I have a, a good friend who um, in the marketing space, Dave Jeffries, in our industry, and he compares, um, you know, buying data to. He used to work in the banking industry. Uh, banks, where do you go to get money? You go to the Federal Reserve. Everybody gets their money in the same from the same place. You know, we're all buying or obtaining somehow the same set of data. It's just a matter of who we're going with. So, from a differentiation standpoint. You know what? What do you want to be known for? And his his thoughts on that kind of always always stick in stick in my head. Um, 
inside of our businesses, we're having to make those choices every day. Some of it is apparent to our customers. Some of it isn't. So it, it'd just be really, really interesting to, to watch. It's it's part of an evolving, maturing industry. And yep. that's really where we're at right now. Uh, all right, next, the top six, the largest CRAs in our space. We think that will become the top five, maybe or even, even the top four, yeah. right? Now, I, I don't know when this is going to happen. I don't know if this happens in 2024. I don't know if this happens in 2026. It's really hard to say because of interest rates. You know, you can't, you, First Advantage, Sterling, you know, they, they can't make a huge purchase right now with interest rates the way they are at the multiples that people are, are asking for. Um, it's just, it's going to be really, really difficult to pull off um, in, in 2024 until interest rates really drop. Um, but there are a couple kingmakers out there. I mean, you have three public companies all striving to get to a billion dollars in revenue. And you got three or four companies under those three companies that can take any one of those three companies to a billion dollars. So there's going to be a bidding war. Accurate background, sites yep. of it all in great places as far as to be acquired. Um, but timing is, is really what, uh, is what is going to be the most interesting factor here because of the interest rates in my opinion. Yeah. And, and we'll, we'll certainly have a, a, a bit deeper conversation on that when we talk about M&A activity, but you know, the little teaser for that is growth has to come from somewhere. Um, and what is safe and what is a risky growth strategy? I, I think it's kind of flipped on its head a little bit. Um, last prediction, a middle class is going to reemerge. Um, we we have long said for probably the last eighteen to twenty four months, middle class in our space has really been hollowed out through through previous M and A activity. Companies between twenty and a hundred million dollars, you know, a good ten to fifteen of them have been taken off the board in the last five to ten years. So we really are a have and have not um, segmentation within CRAs right now. It's not going to be that way forever. There will no, be some that rise, rise from the ashes. I mean, private equity is invested in some of these smaller companies. They're starting to do acquisitions. You're starting to see some real momentum with them. You're starting to see more companies, you know, start emerging above 10, 15, 20 million dollars in revenue. Um, that's just going to continue. Um, you know, one other thing that I think we can't really um, turn away from and, and not think about here is disruption. You know, we're, we're a, a mature 25 year old plus industry. And we've been doing things the same way through the same vendors and everything else for the last 25 years. And there are a lot of companies. And I mean, I get calls from you know entrepreneurs all the time getting into this business. They want to disrupt it and do it differently. And, and, and somebody's going to figure out how to do it. I don't know how they're going to do it. Um, but you're going to start seeing more and more Silicon Valley-backed companies uh, coming into this industry to completely disrupt it and change it. Um, I don't know what what mode or what method they're going to use, but I, but I do see it happening in the next couple of years. Yep, yep, for sure, for sure. All right, pivoting to M and A activity, uh, the new safe choice: um, writing a large check or taking out a large bank loan to buy a company, as compared to just investing in sales and marketing. Um, sales and marketing, you know, depending on the timing to see campaigns through fruition. Uh, is our, do we have a good sales staff? Do we not have a good sales staff? What's the ROI on that? I got to wait 12 to 18 months. I don't know. Some, some people are thinking about just writing a check for a company. Um, and certainly when we think of the long tail of CRAs in our space, 300 plus companies, uh, almost all of them under five to $10 million. 
I, I, you know, there's, there, there's just effective um, ways to build a business that even when interest rates were lower, and I know you'll have some comments on that, Jason. Um, I don't think, I don't think it's as scary as, as it used to be. I have far more M&A conversations than, than we did three or four years ago. So I'm, I'm excited to kind of see where that takes us in the next year or two. Yeah. I mean, in this industry, especially right now, if you're not growing, you're dying. And, you know, obviously it's what we've talked about before with interest rates being so high, it can be very expensive to do an acquisition today. If you even know how to do an acquisition, which is a whole nother, you know, podcast we can do. Um, it, you know, if I'm in your seat, and I mean the audience's seat, instead of looking for M&A, you know, and, and trying to acquire another company or a bunch of business, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm spending and I'm investing in people and I'm, I'm bringing on a sales staff that can, that can grow my top line and bottom line and, and show others out there, you know, when, when m and does pick up and interest rates drop that I've grown my business during this time. Yeah. The only way you're going to grow your business during this time is to sell. And if you're not growing, you're going to die. Every industry, it's, it, it, it's that, that philosophy works in every industry. I didn't make it up. It's in every every financial and, and, and every- uh, Yeah, you know, nothing special in the background check space about that idea, right? Right, right. What right. what I loved, what I loved is um, we've kind of approached this from the vantage point of the buyer, right? What What's a safer choice for me? And from somebody who who you mentioned, Jason, is, is, is sitting in the seat of one of our audience members or podcast listeners and, and doesn't quite know what that strategy is like, do, do I just want to sell or do I want to become part of that middle class? Do I want to make that leap? And, and, and how do I do it? Um, one thing I, I happen to see a lot and, and I know you do as well is um, people kind of go, um, they go half in, like they don't kind of want to make that for that, that full investment in a sales staff or a blown out marketing campaign or new technology or do an acquisition. So they kind of go half in, you know, oh, let's just buy a bunch of leads. Um, let's have, I'll just call them fluffers, you know, SDRs, appointment setters. Uh, the owner of the company will close the sale, but they'll put somebody who doesn't, can't background check their way out of a paper bag. We'll put them on the phone to set appointments. And, you know, a um, couple hundred thousand dollars a year later, <laughs> or, uh, you know, and they just, they don't really have anything to show for it because they went half in and not all in. Exactly. Um, and, and so I think I, companies are also are also really not paying attention to their current their their, their same store sales. I mean, yes, you know, I'd have a two pronged approach. If we still operated employees for IQ, we'd be absolutely beefing up our sales staff, but we'd also be beefing up our strategic uh, account management part. And mm -hmm. and uh, and that's this part of your staff that's taking your current client base and upselling. You know, we have all kinds of new products that we can sell to them. You know, social media or I nine or monitoring, whatever, whatever it is. Um, you know, you're not doing your clients any good by not offering them new products and showing them what the industry is doing today versus when they signed up with you ten years ago. The least performing answer on any survey that we run on behalf of a client, almost always the the worst answer is to the following question, and the question is. Um, I'm told, I meaning the buyer, I meaning like the customer. I, I'm informed when new products and services are available. 
like overwhelmingly negative answers to that. Nope, yep. haven't called me. Haven't picked up the phone. And to your point right there, and and you know when we mentioned the growth goals of large CRAs in excess of $100 billion annually, that's usually a 70, 30, 80, 20 breakdown between what you said, Jason, same store sales and, and new logos. The money's there. A tremendous amount of money is there within your current client base. And uh, overwhelmingly, CRAs just don't go get it. Um, all right, last one on on M and A, um, and you and I kind of share this um, the 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 same sentiment. Um, we think the platforms are highly exposed. Um, raise your hand if you're listening or watching. If you love your third party off the shelf platform, there's a lot of people with their hands down right now. And I, you know, feedback that we routinely hear is not receptive to feedback, delayed integrations, long timelines. Uh, integrations are a challenge and somebody's going to step in. And I think it's the proprietary system shops because clients aren't going to stop asking for things. And if your platform's not willing to do it for you, where, where does that leave you? So I'm, I'm pretty scared if I'm a platform customer right now. I am too. I mean, somebody's going to emerge out there to, to be, a, to build the better mousetrap. I still don't think that you're going to have a bunch of entrants that are coming into the industry or, or existing legacy companies. They're going to just all of a sudden start building their own software. I still yeah. think that's probably a bad idea, but um, you're right. I mean, the platform is again, built on 25 year old technology, um, you know, and 25 year old processes uh, without thinking about what the future is. And, um, you know, that, this, that's going to be really interesting to watch the next few years. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I increasingly, nothing against the platforms. We were a platform company and most of the industry is on a platform, of course. So um, it's not disparaging just because, but it's a, it's, a, it's a sentiment that I have that's just growing deeper roots. I, I just yep. continue to worry about platform customers. All right, uh, let's motor through a couple of the next slides real quick because I know you have a ski slope to hit. Um, <laughs> not today, AI. actually. I got meetings all day. <laughs> yeah, AI, AI. Where, where are we? What happens um, you go first on this. I mean, AI uh, needs to be looked at as a tool for the industry and not a threat. Um, AI is not going to change the way that background screening is thought about or conducted or the services that we offer, but AI will absolutely replace human beings in a, in a very manual process that still exists in background screening. Um, on the compliance side, just being able to have a bot and not a person decode 50,000 different, you know, charge codes on a bunch of reports that can be done by AI, you know, just like that. Um, so there's a lot of things that, that I, I see being built into the back ends of people's operations to enhance what they're already doing, utilizing AI to do it better. I, I've always thought, and I'll, uh, I, I don't, other than this comment, I don't have any additional thoughts to share on kind of the operations side of a CRA. I think a lot about buyers, um, but my one thought kind of on the operations side, you know, we have a we have language here, um, aggressive CRAs won't wait, right? And the operational changes will funnel into sales and marketing messages. Yeah, I've, I've always thought with with things like this, like let the let the best lawyer win. One lawyer stands up in court and says, this is so important. There's human lives in the balance. How can you use a computer for everything? And the other lawyer steps up and says, this is really important. Human lives are in the balance and human beings make mistakes. Why aren't you using technology for this? And then a judge or a jury makes a decision, right? 
What's really interesting to me is, and I'm hearing this kind of outside of the of the employment screening space, a lot of companies, when they think of, of AI in their businesses, their legal department, their accounting department, their PR department, et cetera, it seems like they're frozen. Like they're, they're, they're waiting for a lawyer to say whether it's okay to use. They're waiting for a regulation. They're waiting for a law, something. And it just seems like there's a lot of... Um, opportunities to use AI amongst our clients' businesses where they're not quite there yet. And then I think of HR buyers. And I don't necessarily think HR buyers are a super innovative group. And it's nothing against HR buyers. But you put that compliance hat on, that risk management hat, and there's just a lot of scary things in HR. So how's our message received if we're CRA is out there saying, hey, we're all technology all the time. We're all automation. We're all AI. And you have buyers like, oh, I don't know if I like that. Um, so I really think it's like a different strokes for different folks from a messaging standpoint. Some people are totally going to be jazzed by that. And others might be like, I don't know. And then as CRAs, how do we present that message? So that, that that's kind of a long rant from me on that topic, but just super excited to see how it plays out. Yep, me too. All right. Um, all right. The work number in Equifax. The dam does not break in 2024. Um, Jason, why don't you kick this off? for our, our listeners and viewers right now? Well, it doesn't break. I mean, the the, 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 the price has just gone up yeah. so, so high. Yeah. Um, I do have a picture of a crumbling dam. Uh, <laughs> so that, I, not breaking it, yet. Oh, it's crumbling. It is crumbling hard. And I'm hearing it from the largest CRAs um, all the way down to the mid-market that their verification business is down significantly. And the reason it's down significantly is their customer doesn't want to pay the fee. Um, and because your customer no longer wants to pay the fee, their salespeople are selling different products. So, you know, it's slow. I, I said five years ago, and I'm, I've been wrong, and I hope my wife is listening to this. When I admit I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I thought it was going to happen five years ago, and it just took a long time for people to slowly realize and slowly see these prices starting to double and double and double uh, before they're before they hit this inflection point, and and they're just they're not doing them anymore. They're not doing them as much anymore. So. Uh, that I think that's going to continue. I, I I think even as we talk through this, and there's so much Jason said I agree with, I think all roads end with Equifax still getting theirs. Like they're still going to win. Yeah. The employment verification fee and revenue is, you know, certainly significantly smaller than mortgage and government work and all the things in which there are users who, again, might not like it, but still have valid reasons to pay fees in excess of $100. On the verification side, Jason made a great point. Salespeople are just selling something else. Why? And I'll verbalize this for our podcast listeners, some of the thoughts we have on paper here. It's easier for end users to just drop the product. Nah, I don't want it. It's easier for CRAs to accept that than persuade them to stay in or persuade them to, you know, like it, it's just easier. Um, the worry and kind of what makes us sad as, as practitioners is, you know, we know that employment verification is the most falsified, fudged, use whatever you want item on an application. So risk is going to go up. When you check less, more just gets through. That kind of makes me sad. Um, I think there's opportunities for, for client churn. And why? Because I think Equifax eventually is or will be going around you, especially on the work number, directly to users. And if there aren't alternate fulfillment methods in place inside your CRA. And we said before, Jason represents Truve, I represent Argyle. 
third-party alternative payroll connectors. It, if you don't have these set up or just alternate methods of some sort, once the product goes away for clients, it goes away. Once Equifax goes directly to their user, they're, they're not going to come back to you. So that makes me sad a little bit too. Some of the reluctance and aversion to CRAs exploring different methods. I just think long-term isn't, isn't a real great trend, certainly from a revenue standpoint. Yeah, you nailed it when you said, I mean, look, we, this industry started because people lie. And, 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 and one of the biggest things they lie about is where they went to school and, and where they worked mm -hmm. and how much they made and what the position was and everything else. And now companies are just not going to check that. And that I, I agree with you. I, that, that makes me sad. Yep. End user indifference when combined with a CRA's aversion to change equals an Equifax win. Inertia. Yep. Inertia is a really good thing for them. All right. Um, new, new slash old products. Is this the year? Rapid fire. Uh, monitoring, Jason. Criminal and MVR. From what I understand, monitoring criminal, criminal wise especially is growing. Um, it's not growing at the rate that we, you know, I I have uh, predicted it to grow in the last couple of years, but I still attribute that to um, CRAs not knowing how to sell new products and being really bad at it when they do. Um, but I definitely know that the, that the concept and, and the market is growing. Um, I'm, I'm more bullish on criminal, or excuse me, <laughs> definitely a rephrase. I'm more bullish on MDR <laughs> than criminal. Uh, I am hearing from a large supplier in our industry that they're going to be unveiling um, something that's awesome on the criminal side. I'm looking forward to that. But broadly speaking, the math just still sucks. Yeah. Um, you know, X percent, I won't run through the math equation right now, but, you know, X percent of, of uh, new hires as a percentage of the entire workforce. And then you throw on 100 percent of your workforce being screened. And that math is more than the cost of the new hire background checks. Like it, it, it's just, it's not great. Um, MVR more bullish on, but you know, again, it, it's a wonderful concept. I love it. Criminal is always getting better with each subsequent year. And hopefully it's adopted at the rate that we all think it should be. Yep. Uh, all right. Social media. Social media is as close to a hockey stick as you can, you can, you can equate right now. Uh, it's absolutely taking off. I'm um, seeing that not only from the companies that I'm working with, but the industry as a whole. Um, the concept is really, really starting to take off and and not necessarily just through CRAs. Um, you know, a lot of the social media screening companies are going directly or selling directly to end users, um, which brings up a great, even a better opportunity for CRAs to package that in with some of the products they're already selling. Um, yep, I, I agree on social media, um, especially as an alternative to... Um, uh, high third-party fees for verifications. Totally. totally. Yeah. Uh, onboarding solutions, I9, E-Verify, et cetera. It's puttering along. Um, I don't think anybody's seeing any significant growth there, but um, you might know better. I, I just haven't seen it. Nope, I agree. It is not the year um, yeah. for that product takeoff. International screening. Definitely increasing. Uh, definitely, you know, we're seeing, uh, you know, the, the big three, the big four have made... Um, uh, acquisitions and investments internationally. Um, so that, 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 that tail is just going to wag the dog for the rest of the industry. Uh, in international. And, and I agree. Um, I think not only is the complexity um, decreasing and the friction decreasing, I think the margins are fabulous. I almost, I almost feel like international is taking a back seat a little bit 
just just in the industry buzz in 23. Um, but yeah, I, I've been extremely bullish on on international and the opportunity. I think you and I, Jason, could swap out monitoring and international. The way you felt historically about monitoring is how I felt about international. Mm-hmm. And one of these years, we're both going to be right. Yep. Um, and then lastly, identity. We spent some time talking about it at the at the beginning. Um, really, really bullish on it going forward. Yep. All right, let's really wrap bullish up with some... on, really, oh, really bullish on a product that you're not going to make much money on, but you're going to have to have. Yep. Um, all right, wrapping up with some bonus predictions and then a quick what's next for us. Where are we going to be? Where are we talking? What are we talking about the next couple of months? All right, bonus predictions. Uh, well, Jason, you want to start us? That's already happening. Equifax is selling directly to consumers. They're they're not being shy about it anymore. And they've got some new products that they're selling that they can clear applicants pretty quickly. We did a we did a uh, product spotlight on it a couple of months ago. Um, and and they're going to continue uh, trying to do that. And uh, and we'll see if they have success with it or not. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think one thing that's really interesting to watch is where and how or if contemporaneous notice will be part of their their process. Those of us who've been in the, the space for 20 plus years, remember when uh, shops that did contemporaneous notice and shops that did not, that 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 was, those were business strategies on, on both sides. Yep. Uh, thankfully, I think the non-contemporaneous notice side went out, complete, accurate, and up-to-date is a really good thing for our space. Where will Equifax land on that? Um, uh, I've historically felt that Equifax specifically working with end users, you know, where do you get tripped up? You get tripped up on the explanations, the password resets, the support calls. What does this credit report mean? Well, now looking into 2024, if you have automation for that, or frankly, you just decide you're not going to do it, like not going to spend 30 minutes with you on explaining a credit report. You just make those decisions or implement, you know, the automation, the tools to handle the other stuff. A lot of the reasons for not engaging directly go away. So my opinions have certainly changed in the last few years because I see those barriers not being as significant anymore. Yep. You have some strong thoughts on litigation, Jason. I mean, it's a great, I mean, I've, I've gotten three calls in the last week for Echo Women's work. Um, there's just lots being filed right now. Um, so that's going to continue no matter what. Um, two dozen or so CRAs uh, below 5 million, either exit, consolidate, or close the doors. Uh, we have 400 in our space. We don't need 400. We're not judging anybody. Carve out your empire however you want. But I just think 2,000 of them are going to go away. And then yeah, you'll months. definitely start seeing because those are small enough that interest rates won't have much of an effect, especially if you know private equity comes in and buys a couple of them, or um, or some decide to merge together, um, yeah. which I think I think will happen. Um, yeah. So I think yeah, a roll up strategy, especially for a platform. You know, with 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 uh, a platform provider with some cra- some capital, uh, some innovative thinking, I, I, I think it's a wonderful play. Yep. Um, client migrations, you know, have have destroyed people stronger and better than us, Jason. So yep. why why do all that if you don't have to? Um, we think there'll be a, a a good supply chain merger in our space the next twelve months. Yep. Um, and then our last one: uh, investments in people, not talent. What does that mean? Same, we talked about it earlier. I mean, you're focusing on increasing your business and growing your business, but you're not focusing on how to do that. Um, so it's just strategically, you know, adding sales staff and, and, and service staff that can increase same store sales and that new sales uh, is absolutely what you'd be doing. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm uh, this one makes me a little sad, right? I still think companies are saying to themselves, uh, I need somebody who can do this. 
as opposed to saying, there are six people in the industry that are absolutely freaking awesome at this. I'm going to go hire one of them. Yep. I still think we're thinking a little too much about a job function, a job title, and we're not thinking of the person or small group of people in our space that can really rock it. Um, And that, that makes me sad because I, you know, all right, where are we next? What's coming up? Uh, We're doing our uh, product spotlight tomorrow with Truve. Um, We've got some other product spotlights teed up. Uh, I think we're sold out in May on product spotlights doing them once a month. Uh, We'll be at the PBSA mid-year doing our uh, buying drinks for everybody in the lobby. Yes. Thank you. And, uh, and then Kevin, why don't you talk a little bit about the, the last thing? Yeah, I didn't put the happy hour on here. Thank you. Uh, March, we're going to do an Ask Us Anything webinar. We're going to turn the microphone on. We're going to do no prep and just pound us with questions. Uh, I'm speaking at PBSA. I'm taking a handful of business issues, fork in the road moments that CRAs of all sizes hit. And we're going to talk through, you know, what's the best decision? What's the logic that goes into making the right choice for your company? Uh, And pretty soon we're going to be unveiling our new series of competitive intelligence reports. CRAs, supply chain analysis, total addressable market, industry consolidation, trends that we see. Um, So we're excited to prepare that and continue to work with people who contact us and want access to some of that information. Some people want the kitchen sink. Some people want just a really narrow slice of the data and intelligence we have. And we're happy to work with you on everything you need. Yep. All right. You want to take us home and thank us, Jason? Looking forward to seeing everybody in person in March. And uh, as as we always say, if there's anything that you need us for or uh, we can help you with, you know, feel free to reach out to us by email, uh, jmorris or kbachman at iqbedvisors.com uh, or hit us up on LinkedIn or one of our other formats. Thank you, guys. And as always, Background Check Radio, this will be posted on the podcast soon or watch the link. And like you said, drop us a note anytime you want to chat. Have a great day. Thanks, guys.